Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of Then we're going to dig into the Word of God. I have been sharing with you for a few weeks now on the blessing of the seed. Anybody learn anything about seed? Seed time and harvest. Praise God. And uh, I'll have to do better because only about 20% of you learn. And uh, I've got to step up my game. Praise God. So anyway, um, today, uh, believe it or not, I'm going to be sharing about missions. And, uh, you know, considering that we've been talking about that all morning and that uh, we're getting ready to do a mission trip. And and it's important that we know why we do what we do. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it is something that... Uh, let me just tell you a little story before I really get started here. And one thing, when we came in, in 1991 and planted this church here uh, in Carlsbad, uh, I, I came from a, a church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, that was very missions-minded. And uh, so, uh, you know, came out came from under a great pastor's ministry that uh, uh, was very missions-minded and and so that had been instilled into my heart. And when I came here, I had in, in, in my mind, uh, in fact, you know, before, before we actually made the move, I, I wrote this down in um, a um, statement, a, a vision letter of, of what we were going to do. And one of the things was that because of our proximity to Mexico and, uh, you know, that part of the world, that, uh, you know, I had envisioned that we would be involved in missions in Central and South America. And uh, I never dreamed Philippines. Uh, but actually, that's become uh, where I really feel that, that uh, this, the Spirit of God has led me as, a, as an individual primarily. Uh, but... Um, but anyway, I envisioned us doing missions in Central South America and uh, uh, Mexico and that part of the world. Um, but uh, something happened one day. I, I have a friend by the name of Jerry Vaughn. And Jerry was here. In fact, I talked to Jerry uh, a, a while back about this, and he didn't even remember doing it. But, uh, but Jerry gave me a book called 25 Lines Around, and it was by a man named Larry Stockstill, who was the, uh, at one time the missions director at Oral Roberts University, and uh, in this book, uh, he started the book sharing about how the book came about, and this is the part that really touched my heart and, and changed my view of missions. Like I said, I always knew vision, that missions was an important thing and something we needed to do. But as I read this book, he started telling about how that he was preparing to, to speak to his congregation at the church he was pastoring uh, on the subject of missions. And he said, I sat down and began to do some calculations. And I, he, he said, I, I began to, to figure, okay, if we took every person on earth that does not profess Christianity does not profess Christ, and we stood them in a single file line and giving them one linear foot to stand in. Now, some of you got bigger feet than that, but, um, you know, but we make up for it for the ones that have smaller feet, okay? But he said, give them one linear foot 
to stand in. And he said, the line of people who do not know Christ would reach around the world 25 times. And so, um, you know, we, when, when I begin to think about that, I begin to think about how awesome the responsibility is that we have to the world. And, uh, you know, I, I have had Christians actually say this to me, well, why do we spend money in foreign countries? Why do we do that? You know, that's, why don't we spend our money here? I get that and I understand what you're saying, but what you're not seeing, if that's your attitude, what you're not seeing is the heart of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And there is a biblical principle that says that uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Who has been given more than we in the United States of America? There's no place on earth where the people have received more. Therefore, we have a greater responsibility because of what we have received. Now, I'm not one of these guys that, that says, well, you should just, uh, you know, uh, if, if I'm poor, then I shouldn't do anything. And if I'm rich, then I should pay for everything. And, that, you know, that's, that's not what I... I uh, that's not what I'm talking about, but I, I you know, and I, I am not in favor of of government taking what people work for and, and and that kind of thing. And but I do believe, you see, here's here's the deal: if somebody's taking it, somebody's forcing you to do it, you can't do it with a grateful heart. You can't give cheerfully. How many of you are cheerful about paying your taxes? Nobody's cheerful about that. You see, there's a difference in, in that because they say, you know, this is what you owe, this is what you're going to pay, and this is, you know, and if you don't, see, you can't be cheerful like that. You can only be cheerful when you do it from a heart of gratitude for what you have. And, uh, but, but people say, well, why should we... As, uh, uh, you know, why, why should we have to support the gospel around the world? The reason we should is because of what we have been given. And the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, God loves a cheerful giver. He said, don't give grudgingly or of necessity. Don't give because you have to. Don't, you know, and I always tell people this. If you ever feel like I'm twisting your arm to give, don't give. Don't give because you lose the blessing of giving when that's a reason it's done. And all we ever ask around here, and this is really not a, a, a message on giving. That's, that's really not where I'm going. It's just kind of an introduction, okay? But, uh, uh, you know, all we ever ask people to do is ask God what he wants you to do and then do it. And if you do that, then everything gets taken care of. And we've proved that. It's why we're still here, uh, you know, going on 28 years now. It's why we're still here is because people ask God what he wants them to do, and they do it. And therefore, uh, you know, as a, as a result of that, everything gets taken care of, and, and we're still here. Praise God. But uh, I want to talk to you about why we should be involved in, in missions. And, and when I say be involved in missions... There is more than one way to be involved in missions, okay? Uh, you know, I, I, we just talked about giving financially into missions, and that's important. But there's more than one way, you know, you can go and do missions. Or you can do missions across your back fence. But you see, the fact is, we have a world to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ, We've got a world that is in need of the message that you and I carry. And the only way they're going to get it is if we give it to them. And, uh, you know, your neighbor that lives next door to you, your coworker that works next to you, your family member, and 
the people halfway around the world. They're all in need of the same message. Praise God. And the only ones that can take the message are the ones that have the message. Praise God. You know, you can't take a message you don't have. So if you have received the message, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you need to take the message of Jesus and share it with others. That's what missions actually is. You know, sometimes we say the word missionary, we automatically think of someone who goes to a foreign country. Uh, but while I believe that's extremely important, that's why I do it. But uh, it's more than just a foreign country. It's the world. Praise God. God so loved the world. Praise God. Now, I know that Pastor Jason talked about uh, that every Christian should go at least once uh, to a foreign country. And I, I agree with that. I agree with that statement um, because it gives you a perspective that you can't have any other way. And so, uh, you know, you can hear about it, you can read about it, you can watch YouTube videos, but you're not going to know what it is uh, until you go and see it firsthand. Is that right, Albert? Amen. And so, um, anyway, let me share this with you. Out of John, the fourth chapter, verse number 35, do not say... There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Now, the word harvest is important there because we just finished the series on seeds, seed time and harvest. And Jesus says here, he says, don't say there's, it's, it's still four months till harvest time. But he goes on and he says this, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white. For harvest. So, in other words, Jesus is saying when it comes to the harvest, and, and when we're talking about harvest in this context, we're talking about the harvest of souls. The Word of God says the sower sows the Word. And so, uh, when you sow the Word, then you reap a harvest of the Word of God, and a harvest of souls. You're sowing seed into the lives of people to reap a harvest of souls for the for the kingdom of God. And so when he's talking about harvest here, he says, don't look at your calendar to see if it's harvest time. Look at the field. Praise God. Don't look at your calendar four months till harvest. You know, he says the fields are already white unto harvest. They're already ready for harvest. So as you look at the field, the field is the world. When you look at the world, you, you know. Now, I know that there are people, there are, are Christians, I'm sad to say, there are Christians that look at the world and they can't even see the possibility of harvest because all they can see is the bad things that's going on in the world. But we need to open our eyes and see through the eyes of the Lord of the harvest through the eyes of Jesus, and as he is looking at the world, he's seeing that the world is ready for harvest. Praise God. And so um, here he says, don't say there's still four months to harvest. Look at the field and notice that the fields are already white unto harvest. In Matthew chapter 9 Verse number 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages. And now notice the very first words there. Jesus went about. Jesus went about. So Jesus wasn't just sitting in his office in Jerusalem. You know, uh, Jesus went about. And sometimes we need to get out of our office, out of our home, out of our own backyard, and we need to go about. Praise God. Here he says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, and he went about teaching in their synagogues, 
preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, when we look at the ministry of Jesus, where did Jesus go? He went to the synagogues. He went to their villages. And, you know, we have a tendency as people to, um, to get locked into one particular idea and ignore all the other ideas that are, that are attached to that. For instance, I hear people say, well, if Jesus were here today, which by the way, he is, but uh, uh, if, if Jesus were here today, I don't think we'd find him in church. I think we'd find him out where the poor and the, you know, well, I've, I've got an issue with that. It's not that I don't believe he would be out where the poor people are. He would, but he would also be in church. See, we can't get us locked in and say, well, this is where he would be. Because in the scriptures, we find Jesus everywhere there were people. And every kind of people, not just poor people. How many know that rich people need Jesus just as much as poor people? Praise God. You know, I was thinking about this one day, and I thought, you know, uh, every time that I hear churches talking about outreach, they always talk about, outreach to the poor, to the drug addicts, to the people on the streets, to the, you know, and, and that's worthy cause, and we need to do that. Not, I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but here's what I am saying, is that there, there are people who sleep in big, nice, comfy beds at night, in expensive homes, drive expensive automobiles, but they can't go to sleep at night because they, they don't know where their kids are. They don't know what their wife's doing. They don't know what, you know, uh, or their husband's doing. Or they, they don't know, uh, you know, uh, if they're going to go broke tomorrow. They don't, and, and their lives are, are miserable because, you know, it's well said, money can't buy happiness. Money can't buy, there are things money can't buy. You can't buy, uh, you know, anything you can earn, you can lose. And so there are people that they appear to have it all together, but they don't. You know, they, they don't know this pain that they have in their chest. They don't know if they're about to have a heart attack. You know, they've got something going on in their body that they think, man, you know, my dad had that symptom and he died of cancer, you know. And so rich people experience those things too. But the fact is, Jesus would be anywhere there are people and any kind of people. Praise God. Praise God. And so uh, let's not get locked in on this one thing and say, well, this is what Jesus would be and this is what Jesus would be doing and this is what Jesus cares about. Jesus cares about you. He cares about people, and he cares about people wherever they are and whatever they're doing and whatever is going on in their life. He cares about them. Praise God. Now, Jesus went about all their cities and villages. Cities, to me, that speaks of large cities. Villages, that's the small towns. So he went to both. The, the crowded metropolitan areas and the, the wide spot in the road. You know. He went to all of those. And... He was teaching in their synagogues. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, Jesus thought a little different than what, you know, Jesus just thought different than most Christians think. We need to get our thinking aligned to the way he thinks. You see, Sometimes, sometimes Christians, we want to categorize things and we want to say Jesus loves this category of people. Jesus can heal this kind of sickness, this kind of disease. But then we, you know, there's a lot of, of diseases in our world today that 
that people suffer with that was their own fault. You know, it, it was a decision they made, and that's why they have this disease. And so, you know, uh, but it says that Jesus healed every disease. So in other words, to Jesus, it didn't matter if it was a disease that a person brought on themselves or if it was a d disease that they contracted through no fault of their own. He didn't care. It didn't matter. He, Jesus is against disease. Right. Why? Why is he against disease? Because disease hurts you and he loves you. So Jesus was against disease, so he went about healing diseases. He went everywhere. He wasn't just in the synagogues. Jesus also preached on the seashore. He went up on the side of the mountain and preached. Everywhere Jesus went, he went in the courtyard outside of the temple and preached out there. Jesus was everywhere that there were people. Praise God. Now, it says, he went about and he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Who did he see? He saw the multitudes. Now, in a multitude, there is every kind of people. Most usually, you know, you see a multitude. You've got every kind of people, every class of people. Jesus saw the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion. Why was he moved with compassion? Because they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then, in Matthew chapter 9, we jump down to the next verse, verse 37. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, we pray for, for the lost, but a lot of times when we pray for the lost, we're praying for a harvest. We're pray, praying for more harvest. Jesus said there's plenty of harvest. So why are we praying for harvest? What we need to pray for is for laborers to bring in the harvest. Now, the harvest doesn't do you much good if it's rotting on the vine. But he said, look, there's plenty of harvest. He said, what we don't have enough of is laborers to bring in the harvest. Now, it's important, yes, it's important to pray for the harvest of souls. But there must be included in that prayer for the harvest of souls, there must be the prayer for the Spirit of God to move upon the hearts of people that, and open their eyes to see the harvest so they can get involved in the harvest field. Praise God. And see, that's the, I, I'm convinced of this, that most people, the reason they don't get involved in the harvest field is because they don't see the harvest. They see an impossibility. Jesus didn't see an impossibility. He said, we can get this harvest in. Now, here's the thing. It, it struck me one day um, that there's about seven, seven billion plus people on earth. And it is said that, um, that about 30 to 33% in other words, about a third of that professes Jesus, professes Christianity, faith in Christ. Now, we could argue about, you know, are they real Christians? Are they not real Christians? You know, that's, let's assume for the, for the sake of our, our, our point that, that we're making right here, let's assume that that's an accurate statement that 33% are real, genuine Christians. Not my place to decide if they are or not. But here's the thing. That means 
that 66, 67% of those are not real Christians. They, they make no profession of Christ. They, they don't claim to be Christians. So I'm not having to judge anybody. I'm just taking them at their word. They don't make a profession of Christ, so therefore I can conclude that they're not a Christian. And so if, if uh, what that means is you've got two that do not profess Christ, one that does. What if every one that professes Christ reaches two? We got this job done. Jesus didn't see it as an impossibility. And when I began to look at it like that, I thought, that's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. Jesus had a pretty simple plan. You got one reaching two. You know, I, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I want you to ask yourself a question here. Just answer it to yourself. How many of you have reached your two? You know, I've reached some of your two. I've reached a few more than two. And so, uh, so anyway, you know, those of us who have reached two don't stop and say, well, I've done mine. Because the, honestly, there will be some that will never reach any. So there, there's a whole lot that will never reach any. But let's, let's consider... All right, I've reached my two, so now I'll go help you reach your two. Praise God. Because if, if every one of us who names the name of Christ will just reach two, we've reached the world. Praise God. Now, when you start thinking about it like that, it doesn't seem hard, does it? Now, he says, therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Now, in Matthew chapter 10, he continues this thought with verse number one. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So, in other words... He said, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. I, I, I'm presuming that they prayed then for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And he said, okay, I'm the Lord of the harvest. I'm sending you. So here's the deal. If you pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, he's probably going to send you. So be ready to be sent. Praise God. Now, I didn't say he's going to send you to a foreign country. He might send you to your neighbor. He might send you to the person across the desk from you. He might send you to the person in the supermarket line. You know, that, that lady at Albertsons or, or the, the, the stalker guy at Walmart, you know. He might send you to the parent at the softball complex. You see, no telling who he's going to send you to, but you can mark it down. If you pray, Lord of the harvest, Jesus, send laborers into your harvest field, he's going to say, okay, I send you. Be ready for it. Praise God. Now, don't let that discourage you because there's a blessing in that. I, I'm telling you, you, you win souls, it's addicting. Praise God. You, you get addicted to it. You start liking it. Praise God. And you want to win some more. But you'll never know unless you win one. Praise God. And then notice what he did. He gave them power. Here's what you got to get. He didn't just say, go and win the lost. He gave you power to win the lost. Praise God. Here's the deal that he said. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. He gave you power to heal all kinds of sickness 
and all kinds of diseases. Well, that's just what he was doing, right? In other words, he gave you power to do the same stuff he was doing. And he said, now, go take this power, use it, and do what I gave it to you for. Praise God. Now, here's where many Christians are, and this is the mistake that we at Word of Life don't want to make this mistake. We, we don't want to be like this. I, I see it an awful lot, though. I see that Christians, Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And yet we have a lot of Christians that are fishing in their neighbor's live well. Now, if you don't understand that, maybe you don't know what a, anything about a bass boat, but a bass boat has a container in it that is called a live well, and it's got a, you, you fill up with water and you pump water through it, and it keeps fish alive so that you catch the fish, you put them in the live well, keeps them alive so that they're fresh when you get back, you know. And uh, so they're in your life. And, and yet I, I got this mental image one day. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I get this mental image one day of two bass boats sitting next to each other, you know, facing opposite directions. And the live well behind the guy, he's sitting there fishing, and the live well's open. And each guy in each boat has their hook over in the neighbor's live well. And so that, that's what a lot of Christians are doing, and they're claiming that they're, you know, we're reaching the world for Jesus. All they're doing is taking it out of your, their neighbor's live well and into theirs. And they're just swapping fish. That wasn't what Jesus had in mind. You know, no, no fishing in your neighbor's live well. There's plenty of fish that hadn't been caught. All right, then, now I've got another, another picture of this. Um, you know, every city, every town, they've got the hangout for the old guys where they go and drink coffee in the morning. It's usually McDonald's. And so you got all these old guys sitting around McDonald's talking about fishing. But they haven't wet a hook in years. And they're talking about fishing. And I, I see Christians sitting in church talking about soul winning, but they never wet a hook. You know, I, I don't want to be the old guy at McDonald's drinking coffee. Now, I could, I could fit in there, all right, but, uh, but that, that's not what I want to be. I want to be the guy that goes and catches the fish. You know, a, a, a true fisherman would be appalled at the idea of going to Albertsons and buying fish. You know what? He, he would be embarrassed to buy fish. He's going to catch his own. And so, you know, a lot of Christians, they're wanting to pay somebody to catch their fish. But Jesus said, if you follow me, come on, let's, okay, you're finished with your coffee now. Let's go to the lake. Let's catch some fish. Jesus said, follow me. In other words, you've got to go somewhere that different than where you are. If you're following somebody, you're moving from a place where you already are to a different location. You see, when we're sitting in church, you've got to move from this location. I'm not saying don't go to church. Don't get me wrong. Okay? Some people run off with that. But... I'm saying, if you're going to be a fisher of men, now, some people do get saved in church. And we're grateful for that. But that really was not the plan. The plan was you got to get up from church and take what you learned in church and go to where the people that need Jesus are. Most of the people who need Jesus aren't sitting in church this morning. 
You know, most unbelievers don't read the Bible. Most unbelievers aren't coming to church. Most unbelievers aren't worshiping Jesus. You've got to get up from where you are. Now, you learned something here, you know. The guy that was drinking coffee with you, he told you what to catch him on. So you take that information, and then you go catch them. Praise God. Got to go where they are, though. You sit there and keep talking about it, keep talking about how to do it, but you got to go do it. Jesus said, follow me. Let's go to where the people are, and I'll make you fishers of men. Praise God. Now, in Luke chapter 12, verse 48, but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few, for everyone whom to whom much is given, here's the principle I talked about earlier, everyone to whom much is given, notice he said everyone, that, that whenever we see everyone, that kind of includes all of us. Everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Then Jesus said this in John chapter 4. We all, uh, you know, most of us are familiar with the story of the woman at the well. That Jesus says that he uh, needed to go through Samaria. Samaria was a place that the Jews didn't normally go. That they were very... Uh, they really weren't on speaking terms with the Samaritan people. They didn't, didn't care much for Samaritans. And so Jesus needed to go to Samaria. And, and see, that's, that's important because we need to understand that um, while a lot of Christians don't really communicate much with people who are not Christians. We, we like to surround, you know, I've heard people, have people call me, Pastor, you know, can you pray with me so that I get a new job, I have to work around sinners. No, I'll pray that you don't get a new job. You know, you need to work around sinners. Praise God. We're so worried that sinners is going to rub off on us. But you know what? It ought to be the other way around. One day I was, uh, I had a, uh, a flat tire on my truck. And I have this portable air tank that you put air in the tank and then it doesn't have a compressor on it. You got to use a compressor and put air in the tank. And then you take the tank out there and you just connect a hose to your tire and the air flows out of the tank into your, without any kind of pump, to do it. And the reason the air flows from the tank into the tire is because there's more pressure on the inside of the tank than there is in the tire. So the air just naturally flows from the tank to the tire. But then there comes a point where the pressure begins to equal out and the air stops flowing from one to the other. And uh, it's not that there's no more air in the tank, the pressure has just equalized. So as long as the pressure in the tank is greater than the pressure in the tire, the air is going to flow into the tire. Now, here's the thing. Scripture says, you are of God, little children, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So as long as the God in you is greater than what's in the world, you don't have to worry about sinner rubbing off on you. You just have to stay full of Jesus. When you stay full of Jesus, the Jesus will keep flowing and the sinner won't be flowing back. You get it? Praise God. And so 
you know, let, let's stop telling people, well, don't hang around sinners. No, that's the dumbest thing that any preacher could ever tell you. Because he's telling you not to do the not to do your job. You know, you you gotta hang around sinners if you're gonna reach sinners. Maybe that's why we hadn't reached all the sinners yet. Now, but Jesus went to Samaria. He wasn't worried about becoming a Samaritan because he went to Samaria. But Jesus had this conversation with the woman at the well. And, you know, the woman comes, and first of all, she's wondering, why are you talking to me? He says, you know, uh, um, you know, Jewish men don't talk to Samaritan woman. That's not something that's done. Well, so why are you talking to me? And he said, if you knew who it was that talks to you, he said, you'd ask me and I'd give you living water so you wouldn't have to ever thirst again. And so she begins, this conversation begins to take place, and, and finally she says, okay, our people say that we should worship God on this mountain. You say that uh, we should worship God in Jerusalem. So what do you say? I mean, the Jews say worship God in Jerusalem. What do you say? Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. And, you know, the woman says, well, you know, I perceive you're a prophet. And Jesus tells her, he says, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, that's right, you've had five. The one you got now is not your husband. Now he's got her attention. This guy told me everything about me. Who is he? I think he, he might be the Messiah. So she goes and she starts telling other people, hey, I've met this guy. I'm pretty sure he's the Messiah. Why don't you come on and hear what he's got to say? And then the Bible says that uh, Jesus' disciples came back and they said, did anybody bring you any food? And Jesus says this. He says, my food is to do the will of him that sent me. And so then the woman has gone away and she's told all the, the men of the city. Now, isn't it interesting that the woman goes and tells all the men of the city, but that's who she knew best was the men of the city. The women didn't care for her much, I'm pretty sure, you know. So anyway, she tells all the men of the city and they come to Jesus and they ask him to, to stay. And the Bible says he stays two more days with them and, and, and teaches them. Now, that's significant that he stayed two more days with them. And so here we find Jesus, you know, he's staying two days. Now, there is a scripture that says this. With the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And so there is a, there is a principle here. There's a lot of numeric stuff in, in the scriptures. And if you learn how to read it, you can see some, some powerful truths there. Here's what he's saying. By, by staying two days and, and ministering to them and teaching them, what we're seeing is two days equals 2,000 years. He's telling us that the age of evangelism is 2,000 years. Now, where are we right now? 2020. 2020. So that tells me that we're right there. You know, I, I, I don't know the exact time. I just know that that the end is pretty close. We're right in that 2,000-year range. Jesus said, is telling us, the age of evangelism is 2,000 years. That tells me we don't have a whole lot of time to finish this job. And so we got to st uh, stop drinking coffee. 
and go fishing. Praise God. You got to get out where the fish are. You got to get out where the people are. You got to bring them in. John 4, verse 39. Let me just go ahead and read this. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman. Now, notice what he did not do. Jesus did not tell the woman, go home, fix your life, get everything all cleaned up, go to Bible school, go sit under a good pastor for a couple years, and then you can go share the gospel. No, he sent her right then. He said, you know, go. And she went and she brought all these people to Jesus. They believed because of the word of a woman of ill repute. Now, I don't care what you think you are or are not. Not qualified? You're probably more qualified than she was. So, what are we going to do? We're going to continue to drink coffee or are we going to go fishing? Praise God. And I said this, miracles, Jesus gave them power to do the kind of miracles that he did. Miracles are more needed over the back fence than on the front pew. We think miracles are supposed to happen in church. I'm okay if miracles never happen in church if they're happening over your back fence. Praise God. Now, I, I, I'm also good with miracles happening in church too, but uh, you know that you, you understand what I'm saying. If we're reaching people out there, I don't care if we never have anybody get saved in church. Get them saved out there and bring them to church. Praise God. Praise God. Signs and wonders are for reaching the world, not entertaining each other. I believe in signs and wonders. I love seeing signs and wonders. I love miraculous healings. I love people's lives being changed and transformed. But, you know, signs and wonders were given for a purpose, and that was to reach the world. Praise God. We can sit at McDonald's and drink coffee and show each other our tackle box. But if we ain't catching any fish, come on, let's get up and let's go catch some fish. Amen? Praise God. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity and the privilege and the joy that we have to be involved in the harvest field. Father, we pray right now, just like Jesus said we should pray, that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest field. And Lord, we know that that's going to boomerang and come right back and you're going to say, go. So, Lord, we pray today. I pray for the people that are hearing my voice today, whether they're sitting in this room or whether they're watching online. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Father, that they would hear clearly the voice of the Lord of the harvest saying, okay, you asked me to send laborers, go. That they would hear clearly that voice. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now, maybe you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And you wonder why people are telling you about Jesus. This is why. What we've shared today, that's why we're telling you about Jesus. Praise God. That's why we come to you with a message like this. That's why we, we tell you about the good news of Jesus. Jesus said, except a man be born again, or a woman be born again, he cannot enter 
the kingdom of heaven. So the, here's our bait. That Jesus so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That through believing upon him, you don't have to perish. That you can have everlasting life. Praise God. Praise God. You've never received Jesus as your Savior. Right now is the time to do so. I want you to repeat this confession of faith after me. Scripture says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So right now in the name of Jesus, just, just say this after me. Say, God in heaven, I believe. I want everybody to pray this. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay for my sins, that you raised him from the dead so I could have new life. Today, I choose Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Thank you for saving me. From this day forward. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.